Support comes from Clipper Vacations with savings on a Victoria, B.C. getaway during the spring sale. 20% off a Clipper Fast Ferry round trip plus two nights hotel and kids travel at half price. Details and booking at clippervacations.com NPR. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Diana Pong in for Libby Denkman. A once unthinkable solution to human-caused climate change is gaining traction. I'm not talking about more renewable energy sources or some bigger battery. No, some scientists are considering going right to the source and blocking out a portion of the sun. The idea isn't totally new. It was a primary plot point in a 1994 episode of The Simpsons. No, not while my greatest nemesis still provides our customers with free light, heat, and energy. I call this enemy the sun. So what exactly was Mr. Burns' plan to vanquish the sun? Since the beginning of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. I will do the next best thing. Block it out. With what looks like a giant beach umbrella, forcing the town to rely on him, the power plant owner, for all heat and light instead of getting it for free. Good God. In 2024, the reasoning might look a little different, but the idea remains. As we stare down rising sea levels, erratic weather, and the world's hottest year on record, some ask the question, why not block just a little of that free light and heat? Last year, an astronomer with the University of Hawaii published a paper considering the possibility of using a giant solar shield to block out some of the sun's rays. Now, the New York Times reports that scientists at the Asher Space Research Institute in Israel are ready to test that theory out. They say they could build a prototype shade to prove if the idea would actually work in practice. But is a space parasol actually a good idea? I wanted to find out. So I reached out to Jim Hermanson, a professor of aeronautics and astronautics at the University of Washington. He told me, maybe. How would a sun shield work? This sounds really fascinating. Well, the basic concept is reduce the intensity of the solar illumination at the Earth by shading some of it. And the calculations they've done suggest that if you can block maybe 1% of the sun's light from hitting the Earth, that would be enough to have a beneficial impact on the climate. 1%? hmm Wow. What would this shield actually look like? Like how large or heavy would it need to be? Now, that's a question. That, that's part of the challenge. And I did a little bit of simple calculations, and there is good news and more more challenging news there. Okay. The good news is there are stable points in the Earth-Sun system where you can put a satellite and it won't move. Oh. Th- those are called the Lagrange points, and it's a combination of the Earth's revolution around the Sun and the sun's gravitation and the earth's gravitation. So you have points that are that are kind of in balance and you can park a spacecraft and it will sit there. And one of them, L1 it's called, is between the earth and the sun. It's about four times the distance from the moon and towards the sun. So you can park a satellite there, which could be a sunshade, and it will stay in position more or less. It's a semi-stable point. So you have to do a little bit of correction to keep it there. So you could put a sunshade there at that point between the sun and the earth, and it would be a stable in position. So that's the good news. There's a point that could be used. The more challenging news is to block 1% of the sunlight. I did a couple calculations. If you go out to the L1 Lagrange point, you would need an area at least the size of of the nation of Peru. Whoa. 
So that's a lot of area yeah. to cover. So so the solar shade would be would be large. Um, the other good news is space structures are getting very light, very collapsible. There's a lot of interest in self-assembly. So having something that could go out and fold out and give you this nice surface uh, is technically feasible. Um, the Webb Space Telescope, for example, does that. It has sun shields that fold out underneath it to shield it from the sun, although they're much smaller than, than we're talking about here. Okay. So what would this shield look like from Earth? If we were to look up and, like, would we see a big circle in the sky or a cool-looking umbrella parasol situation? Since we're blocking only about 1% of the sun's light, from the ground, we wouldn't notice anything. Oh. The effect would be slight. If you had a telescope or binoculars with suitable uh, filters, of course, to look at the sun, you would see that little spot. Not entirely unlike the International Space Station, which has passed in front of the sun and been imaged, or the planet Venus, for example, passes in front of the sun and you can image it. So, And that's due to how far out it would have to be anyway? Right. Okay. So I imagine that there would be some side effects of blocking a portion of the sun. Would a sun shield change things like photosynthesis and plants or the ecosphere more generally? Do we even know answers to any of that? We probably don't know the exact answers, but the change in light intensity is small. A 1% light intensity, you know, I don't think would be noticed. And I, I doubt that would have any serious impact on the ground. And another plus of having a satellite uh, potentially it could be adjusted. You could have it steerable, so you could adjust the angle of the parasol, for example, and, and control the amount of dimming you're actually doing. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What potential issue could a team that's planning and deploying a sun shield like this potentially face? Well, there's an issue of materials. You know, to cover these sort of areas, we're talking about a lot of material. The good news is um, suitably opaque uh, materials can be very thin, the structure can be quite simple, just a question of rolling out a flat parasol-like structure. The challenges are the, the mass of all that uh, to cover that area would, would be substantial. Another challenge is getting anything into Earth orbit is very expensive from a, a rocket propulsion point of view. Then there are issues about deploying it, though there's a lot of research now in self-deploying space structures and very lightweight structures can be deployed in space. It's been done. And when you say lightweight, part of me thinks that means it's going to be thin. Could debris like asteroids or satellites harm a shield like this? Probably not, because it's enormous. If, if it's the, si- the size of a medium-sized country, of course there will be perforations from, spa- from micrometeorites, for example. But that's just pu- like punching a hole in, a, in a, an umbrella. You you'd hardly know it's there. Okay, what do you think it would take to send a shield the size of Peru into space? Substantial resources, ideally a multinational effort to get those those amounts of resources into space. Not a trivial undertaking, but people also built the Great Wall of China, which is a, a tremendous engineering accomplishment. So, yeah, maybe. And Jim, a solar shield will lead to planet-wide changes. I know you said it's just 1% of the sun potentially's um, rays being blocked, um, but we don't have a very effective way to build consensus and make decisions as a planet overall. Like, what are the ethical questions a potential project like this could raise about who decides to launch the solar shield or control which way it's angled? There's a lot of discussion about 
space policy addressing exactly these kinds of questions, ranging from who's responsible for orbital debris from un, from spent satellites, who owns the moon, who has legitimate rights to colonize and explore and exploit lunar resources. This would be a similar discussion. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised if some nations would say, we object, we need that extra sunlight for agriculture or whatever that might be. Right. right. Along with many others that just wouldn't want to make the investment. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Is doing this actually a good idea at all? <laughs> is, is shooting a giant shield into space the best way to reverse some of the impacts of greenhouse gases and climate change? I doubt very many people would be able to come together and agree on what the best way is. Personally, I, I think the um, actual key to reducing greenhouse emissions is reduce greenhouse emissions. And there's been so much research already in uh, more fuel efficient um, devices and engines and processes and reduced emissions. Uh, I, I work in aerospace and in the aviation industry, reducing aircraft engine admission, emissions is huge. Mm -hmm. So reducing emissions any way we can on Earth is probably the, the most viable path forward. 2023 was the hottest year on record worldwide. Is there still time for these geoengineering options? Like, could we get a giant space shield in the air fast enough to save us from the most significant impacts of climate change? I think that's, that's difficult to say, you know, and again, it, it depends on what's the degree of commitment, what nations are involved, what level of resources. Um, if the International Space Station took many years to design and assemble and put on orbit, and that's a fraction of the size of what we're talking about here. Right. So um, it would take many years to do. But likewise, you know, reducing our carbon footprint now would take years to have a beneficial effect as well. Proposed climate change solutions like a solar shield garner a lot of public interest, I think, right? Because it's interesting. It's sort of scientific and space age. Is it in some ways easier to get people excited about a giant space parasol as opposed to, for instance, lessening our individual climate footprint? Perhaps, but there's a public education component to this, you know, for, for people to understand what's truly involved. And a parasol in space, that's a pretty exciting concept. Um, there are other concepts about manipulating the cloud cover, for example. You know, you can seed particles into the atmosphere and encourage cloud formation. And that's another possible approach. I would say that there should be a greater public awareness of what sort of technology you want to apply and what are the risks associated with it, you know, or, or what, what, are the, what are the drawbacks? Hydroelectric power, we're blessed with that in the Northwest, very good energy source. Um, natural gas burns cleaner than coal. Wind turbines are, are totally non-polluting, but it takes a lot of them to get power. Um, solar cells, similar story. You have to cover a lot of area to get significant amounts of power. So I see the, uh, a, a viable approach to the climate change problem. We should bring into play everything we can better use of the fuels we have, new energy sources, uh, innovative concepts like a, a solar parasol in space, and bring the ones that are, are most effective to bear on the problem. Yeah. So a space parasol cannot be a panacea for all climate change. Yeah, if, if the space parasol worked and reduced the intensive incoming solar radiation, that would have a major effect, of course. But would that completely mitigate the climate crisis is, is a question. Got it. 
Jim Hermanson is a professor of aeronautics and astronautics at the University of Washington. Jim, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all this really great information. My pleasure. It's a fun discussion. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on a space parasol. Is it a distraction from the work that needs to be done here on Earth to save the planet or an idea the planet should seriously consider? Leave us a voicemail and we might play it on the air. Call 206-221-3213. Again, that's 206-221-3213. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.